360 with Katie Wolf. Join the conversation with Katie Wolf. You are our eyes and ears in the territory. Mix 104.9. We know that there is now a new direct flight between Darwin and Canberra. It took off, well, yesterday, and joining us on the line to tell us a little bit more about the situation, NT Airports Development Group Chief Executive Tony Edmonston. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Katie. Tony, how did we go yesterday with this first flight? Oh, look, isn't, isn't it fabulous to be a Territorian right now? <laughs> you know, the, the weather's great, the tourism industry's booming, and we've got plenty of events. And, um, you know, we get you know, now a, a chance to bring a few people from Canberra up directly without having to route via other ports. Yeah, what's the demand like for this, uh, for this route? Yeah, so look, yesterday's flight was about 70% full. Yeah. And the big game changer, and this is playing out across Australia, is, you know, Qantas and a few other airlines are moving to, a, you know, a smaller, skinnier aircraft. And that means the economics of sort of moving 70 or 80 people on a flight is much better than what it has historically been. Yeah, it is good news. It's certainly good news for us as Territorians to be able to to travel around a little bit more directly. How many days a week will this service operate? So over the dry season, this will be five days a week. And and if you think sort of how this how this will sort of actively play out is, you know, it's dry season up here, which is fantastic for the southerners to come north. And it's, the, you know, the ski fields and nation's capital during the same time for us to head south. So yeah. when, when wet season comes around, that'll probably drop back to three times a week. OK, but it will still continue to run throughout uh, the wet season at this stage as well. Absolutely. This is this is a permanent route that will sort of ramp up during our, our peak tourist season and then yeah, still continue to service during the wet. And Tony, how are things going at the moment? Uh, well, firstly, with the Darwin Airport, how's the capacity? Uh, yeah, look, we've, we've got a few, you know, teething challenges, um, but um, we're probably about 85 to 90% of pre-COVID levels from a domestic capacity perspective. Wow. Uh, forward-looking, you know, in the next couple of months, you know, subject to hotspots and other bits and pieces, we expect that to be sort of 105 to 110% of pre-COVID. So we're pretty busy. Tony, would you have ever anticipated, you know, at the start of COVID, when things were as, as frightening as they were, that you would be at this point so soon after? Yeah, t- typically when we're going through those those events, you sort of say, what's the best case scenario we could possibly consider? And um, I think we're playing it right now. Yeah, it's quite unbelievable. And it is absolutely wonderful to see, uh, that, you know, Darwin is just a buzz. Oh, look, again, you know, if you, if you look outside, the, the sky's blue. It's 32 in the day and 19 at night. And um, there is no better part part of Australia right now. Yeah. Now, um, how are things in Alice Springs? Because I know, obviously, you've got the airport there as well. How are their numbers going? No, so they're, they're a bit... So we're sort of 80 to 85 of pre-COVID. They're sitting just below it, around 75% of pre-COVID. Yep. So they're going okay. Um, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a desire to hit the natural wonders when you can't go overseas. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Tony, how do you manage? I know that it can be difficult when these hotspots are declared. Um, is it is it getting a little bit easier to deal with that type of thing? Uh, it's becoming more routine. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily jump to it to it's easier because you know they all throw up their own challenges, particularly yeah. when aircraft are in the air when there's a hotspot declared. Yeah. Um, you know we're becoming better at it and more agile at it. So you know you just adapt to the change on the day. And it's obviously quite difficult as well. You know, particularly for those passengers who are uh, who are pretty upset if um you know if they're on a flight and then they find out that they've got to go into quarantine. 
Yeah, look, you know, again, you know, for all of our staff, and I know that the NT Health team are sort of at the front line as well, you know, there's some challenges when people jump on planes expecting to sort of walk out and enjoy the territory and then mm. quickly getting turned around. Yeah. Um, you know, we we as a you know we as a as a destination need to be empathetic to when those things happen. And Tony, um, a, a question that I'm just thinking of as we're on the line there. Um, I know that a couple of or a few weeks ago we'd spoken to the health minister and she had said that down the track uh, we would be in a situation where some of those international repatriation flights would uh, not be going through the RAF base or not be going through the RAF side of the airport, I should say, and uh, and at some point transitioning through the Darwin airport has. Has there been much movement in that space? Yeah, look, we, we've been working maybe for probably two or three months now with both the federal government and the NT government on, on how we can help facilitate this. And the context of this, this, Katie, is, you know, we know that there's a lot of international Australians that are sort of stranded overseas at the moment just trying to come home. Um, you know, we know there's restrictions around Australia around the sheer number of people that can come on flights into Australia. And if we can do a little part in, you know, bringing more people home, and that's that's where this sort of comes to, then we'll help in any way we can. Right? Um, having said that, we've got a lot of work to do to ensure that there's clear separation between potentially international arrivals and our domestic passengers, and that there's no way of risk of transfer. So that means some physical barriers have to be constructed, some other work, some air conditioning changes. That just takes time. Yeah, and uh, and it sounds like it could be expensive work, but hopefully something that the feds uh, will be picking the bill up for. Yeah, well, in part, but but again, you know, we look at it and say, you know, as a as a broader corporate citizen, we you know we have a, a role to play in helping bring Aussies home. That might cost us a little bit of money through that process. But it's the right thing to do. Uh, we also need to make sure that we don't put other Territorians at risk. So, you know, there's a balance between the two. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not jeopardising safety at all. And, you know, we know when the works are completed, we'll do a thorough audit to make sure that um, that it is safe before we, we allow, you know, internationals on our side. Yeah. And, Tony, no doubt some people listening will be thinking to themselves, oh, I feel a little bit concerned about that. I mean, what is your message for those that are, that are maybe feeling worried that it, it heightens the risk of, of a spread of of COVID? Yeah, so we're, we're, again, there, there'll be physical barriers between, and I don't mean sort of soft tensile barriers, there's walls being constructed, there's, there's different pathways, there's different air conditioning, so there's no way of interaction between international and domestic through that process. If it makes people feel any more comfortable, you know, I'm sitting at the airport and I'm in, mixing in and around that terminal every day. So, you know, if anyone is probably most exposed, it's myself and my team. And, mm. um, you know, we're not prepared to put them at risk anywhere. And Tony, has that work already started or is it far off? Oh, we've, we've started doing some things. There's a lot more work to be done um, around getting it actually right, um, you know, looking in i think that sort of probably five or six weeks of work so you know the earliest we're probably looking at now is around the end of july yep from a time frame um again you know we just need to make sure that it's done appropriately and tested and that you know again that the the ventilation systems are working the way they should work yeah absolutely well tony edmonston uh the ceo of the nt airports development group we really appreciate your time today thanks so much for having a chat with us 
Thanks, Katie. You are listening to Mix 104.9. And, uh, and yeah, how fascinating that we're already at 85, between 85 to 90% of pre-COVID in terms of capacity out there at the airport. It's pretty phenomenal uh, when you think about it. And, and, you know, when we look at what situation we were in a year ago compared to now, it is quite amazing that we've got that many people uh, coming to the Northern Territory at the moment. And, you know, and then when you take out uh, places like Victoria for the last couple of weeks and Melbourne for the last few weeks uh, and even the situation in New South Wales preventing or stopping some people from wanting to travel. Uh, it's it's wonderful to see the airport operating at that capacity. Now there are a lot of you getting in contact about these speeding fines. Uh, I've, I've got one here. It says, Katie, what about the points lost and those that lost their licence, even their jobs because of a loss of licence? Good, uh, very good point. Another one here from Mark in Tiwi. Hi Katie. Regarding those speeding fines, I'd like to know how and exactly when they found out about the incorrect calibrations. In addition, I call BS on money and points not getting reimbursed. Sounds like too much work for them, uh, as all the info is on their system, says Mark. Yeah, that is not good to hear at all. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, look, Mark, I think this sounds like there's going to be more to this story, no doubt about it. There's another one here. Uh, this is in relation to the airport, and it said, well, there was a one hour, 45 minute wait for all flights arriving yesterday. My old dad waited on the tarmac for 45 minutes. Then another hour terrible, I waited two hours for him, says that text. I'm sorry to hear that. That is not good news, particularly uh, for your for your dad, your elderly dad. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the reasoning is behind that. I know when we caught up with the, uh, with the Transport Workers Union just a little while ago, they had said that it was because there was changes uh, with Qantas with their baggage handling and things like that, but I'm not a percent sure that is something that we can certainly take as a uh, a question to ask